On this edition of the Deseret News Youth Insiders podcast, Dirk Feister and Mike Sorensen discuss the Washington game, trip to Seattle, and the bye week coming up. We also talk a little basketball. That and more on the Deseret News Youth Insiders podcast. Hi, this is Greg Grubel, the voice of the BYU Cougars. And for some reason, they've asked me to tell you that you are listening to the Deseret News Utes Insiders podcast with Dirk Facer and Mike Sorensen. Enjoy. Hey, folks, welcome to another edition of the Deseret News Ute Insiders podcast. Dirk Facer and Mike Sorensen here in their swank Salt Lake City studios. Mike, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you, Dirk? I'm doing good. Mike and I just got back from Seattle where we had a football doubleheader of sorts. So we saw the Utes defeat Washington, and then the next day we saw the Seahawks outlast the Buccaneers in overtime. Uh, are you all footballed out, Mike? Oh, yeah. It's good to have a week off this week, getting some basketball. But, yeah, we had a good weekend up there in Seattle. It was a lot of fun. Uh, Let's talk about the Utah-Washington game. That was obviously a huge thing for the Utes. A very slow start. First quarter was probably as bad as they've, you know, statistically they've had all season. And then the first half they fell behind uh, 14-3. Mike, what uh, what do you think turned that game around? Well, you know, I guess you give a lot of credit to to Tyler Huntley, of course. His second half was fabulous. You know, that was just outstanding. I think it took him a while, the defense, to kind of figure out what was going on because the defense was giving up a lot of yards that first half. Got down 14-3 and they moved right down the field on their first couple of drives. Then the offensive line the first half, they just didn't look very good at all. It looked like they couldn't open holes for Moss, and it took them a while. I think it just took a while to get warmed up. After halftime, it was kind of their game after that. I think it was an intimidating atmosphere. I mean, it was there were a lot of people there, obviously, and it's a loud stadium. And it's, frankly, it's a very nice stadium, too. Uh, give them credit. It might be the, the best stadium in the Pac-12. But do you think it was an intimidating thing? Did it take Utah time to settle in because of that factor, or do you think it was just the X's and O's? Yeah, you know, I never really thought about that. It was very loud, but it seemed to me that these guys are a senior-dominated team. You know, they, they just don't seem to get too rattled. And I think that probably, you know, it could have been, but I just didn't really think that was a factor. I think they just kind of had to get warmed up and kind of figure out what's going on. And once they did, they they started rolling. Well, and you mentioned Tyler Huntley. He was named Pac-12 uh, Offensive Player of the Week for it's his about time. Is that the first time for him I this year? I think it is. You know, it's amazing. I don't think Zach Moss has won it yet. Yeah, and, that's true. Uh, you know, he led the Utes with 100 yards rushing and then also in uh, five catches receiving. So uh, maybe he's due next. But And then I think John Penasini was the Defensive Lineman of the Week. So Utah picked up a couple awards there. Tyler Huntley, uh, his senior year, Mike, everything seems to be falling into place. I mean, he's playing hurt. Uh, still getting the job done. His mobility, you know, there's obviously not 100% there like it was earlier in the season. But uh, what do you think keeps him going? Is he just, just a driven guy? That's yeah, a- I don't know. It's, you know, it's, it's hard to figure him out because his personality is kind of different. You know, we see one side of him in those press game post-conferences right. and his kind of, you know, he's so sarcastic and kind of doesn't really want to say much, you know. But he's a pretty, you know, and people think he's kind of silly, you know. And But he's obviously extremely smart because he's he makes great decisions on the uh, as, a, as a quarterback. I mean, you know, right. he's what had one interception this year. He's not throwing the ball away, and he's he's deciding when to run and when not to run very well. He gets out of a lot of uh, tackles, and so he's just having an outstanding. He's like eighty uh, percent passing, something like close to eighty percent, if not over that. Right, which is going to be a Utah record if he keeps it up. So yeah, he couldn't you couldn't ask much more for him this year. In that second half, you know, he had five. 
third downs that they converted on. I mean, it was amazing. And three of them, were, I think, were long passes yeah. that so. connected on. What, uh, is it Andy Ludwig, too? Did he just merge with the uh, perfect coordinator for his skill set? Yeah, Andy's done, a, I think, a really good job. You know, I think in the past they've had some good coordinators. Troy Taylor was pretty good, but he just was kind of kind of sketchy off and on, you know. You just kind of didn't know from week to week. And Andy seems to have just kind of a solid plan and sticks to it. And there's not right. like all of a sudden some crazy play or something or, or where they start passing because they get panicky. They keep running the ball, you know. So I think he's just a much more solid game plan, and that's made a big difference. And then Tyler's, uh, you know, is been a great quarterback for that system. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because uh, I hear on the radio sometimes and different people say, you know, Huntley is a game manager more than a quarterback. And I disagree because he's effective, you know, and he's got the mobility. He's effective to run out of the pocket. He's just made smart decisions. No, and he and, made that 41-yard pass, pass on third and 12. I mean, you know, so he comes up with big plays just besides. And he's got an arm on him. Yeah, he does. And he's very accurate. So he's been a big difference for him. Mike, uh, we're, we're both a couple uh, old guys have been around for a while. Where do you see him ranking on the list of uh, all-time great Utah quarterbacks? Uh, we can throw uh, go all the way back to Lee Gross Cup if you want, but let's. Uh, it's kind of a, comparables. Maybe would be an Alex Smith, Travis Wilson, Brian Johnson, that type of that era. Where do you see Tyler Huntley, or is the script still to be written? Yeah, I think you still have to wait. You know, I mean, he's had three good you know years. He's been injured a lot, but he's certainly ahead of the I think Travis. Wilson and Jordan Wins, you know, who are good quarterbacks, and he's—he's, he's, I think, he's right up there with Brian Johnson and Alex Smith, you know. And of course, those guys had undefeated seasons, so you know, right. he's not going to match that. But uh, what a Rose Bowl season put yeah, him in that class! Yeah, I think he would, you know. I mean, he certainly had. I think his numbers are, are better than those guys, really. So he's—I uh, think he's right up there as long as he, as he keeps it up. He's got four, three or four, four or five more games. Right. So. Does that surprise you when you're coming into the season that we would be talking about Tyler Huntley being one of the great Utah quarterbacks? Because obviously he's, he's been very good. He's started a lot of games in that, but he has really blossomed as a senior. Yeah, I think it's been a little surprising because I, you know, I, you thought he'd be good, but not. I think he's been great. So I think he's uh, surprised a lot of people, including us old uh, old writers who cynical writers, you know. <laughs> all right. Well, hey, before we move on, just a reminder that we want to thank our sponsor, Mr. Mac, and all he does for us. The great company, great place to get a suit. Just a reminder, after you listen to the podcast, go to your nearest mall and get you a suit at Mr. Mac's. Hey, Alama Harrington here. And right now, Mr. Mac, you got suit separates on sale. Choose between regular fit or slim fit styles. Any style that you really want. Uh, 36 to 66 from the pant sizes, 30 to 60 uh, when it comes to the coats. And... Every color that you can imagine, every pattern available right now, a suit separate deal is just two forty nine. As always, you get free lifetime tailoring on suits purchased from Mr. Mac. Come into one of the nine Utah locations and let us help you look your best. Suit up at Mr. Mac. Hey, Mike, uh, let's talk about the Pac-12 driver's seat. Utah's suddenly in there. I think uh, the big worry, I think, for Utah fans was maybe that USC would run the table the rest of the way, and Utah could go through the season with one loss and not get to the Pac-12 championship game. But now the tables have turned, and it looks like USC has kind of quit on Clay Hilton. Boy, they were—I mean, we saw that game the other night, and that 
second half. They got a great start, and then after that it was pure downhill, and they just looked terrible. I mean, 56 points. You know, we, we were wondering if he would be fired before he got to a, the team <laughs> right. bus, you know. But, uh, yeah, they look like they're on obviously on the downhill slide, and, and UCLA, on the other hand, has been just unbelievably, you know, surprising this year. They thought they they were picked for six by some people, weren't they? Or, I mean, they were by was, some people. And, you know, they're not that good, obviously, but mathematically, if they run the table, they win the South. Yeah, which well, is if they beat Utah believe. next week, yeah, if they win all their games, they will. They still have to play USC, so one of those teams is going to get knocked out. I mean, you could right. say Utah can still win it if UCLA beats them, which is unlikely, but it's possible. But then, you know, they, they play each other, so one of them is going to have a third loss. But UCLA, though, the way they're playing, they could run the table besides— It's crazy. It's mid-November, and we're talking about UCLA still in it mathematically. Yeah, That's it really crazy. is because they, they looked awful in the preseason, and but they, uh, they've come up with some close victories, and they've looked pretty good the last few weeks. Now, what about Utah and the fact that— uh, Obviously, finally getting in the driver's seat, that loss to USC coming so early in the season kind of kind of put them behind the eight ball a little bit because they needed some help to win the South. It's there now. Do you see any challenges ahead these last three games, Mike? For Utah? Yeah. Yeah, I think this UCLA game is, you know, I mean, if they are, take it at all lightly, they could lose that game. I mean, you know, you shouldn't. they shouldn't. It's a home game. Right. But UCLA's beaten, they beat Washington State, and they've beaten a lot of good teams, you know. Some of them haven't been like blowouts, but they've scored a lot of points. Right. They might have a better offense than some of the teams Utah's played. Uh, the defense isn't great. But no, that'll be their toughest game. Arizona is always a worry down there. We've seen them lose in Tucson and spoil right. their season. But they what they got they gave up fifty six to Oregon State, who yeah, could only play, score Z, who scored seven either. against Utah. And Colorado's kind of gone on the in the dumpster. So you know, they shouldn't have a problem. But you know that's the thing. Utah's you know we think we both wrote about their November schedules. You know they've always lost some games in November. So got three more to go in the month. So just wait till it's over. But the way they've played, if they just keep playing solid, they really shouldn't have any problem in their last three games. Well, and then, you know, there's obviously the factor that they have everything to play for now, and you'd think they'd keep their eye on the prize and not overlook anybody, and, you know, they're, they're fond of that huge cliche, they want to go 1-0 and every week, you know, they're, they claim they're not looking too far ahead, but I think like that one, one game at a time, if one game at a time, yeah. give it your all, you know, but I think that Washington game was circled on their calendar, because I have never seen uh, Coach Whittingham so happy after a game, I mean, he, he basically yeah, he smiled for more than five seconds. That's yeah, more than five seconds, and he admitted that it was a, a good win to get, and the players said it was because they have obviously have had bad luck or misfortune against Washington, and to finally beat those guys and to beat them in Seattle. First, and that was one I think a lot of us at the start of the year had as, as a loss for Utah. You know, right? Them going ten and two, and that and USC being their losses. So that was one big one to get. And you know, Washington. I think this sounds crazy in the Pac-12, Mike, but. Washington's, I think, better than the record indicates. I don't oh, think yeah, they've lost four as... games, but they shouldn't. They lose, lose the Cal, who's not very good. And... Right, that's that's unexplainable what happened there, yeah. but that was the weather delay game and weird things happened. But... And they barely lost to Oregon, and Oregon's might be the best team in the league along with Utah, and they lost to them in the last minute. So Right, yeah. and then they barely lose. The, I mean, it's, it's interesting how the race is going. Let's talk reality or, or not. Uh, Mike, do you think Oregon or Utah— they run the table, and obviously one of them will win the Pac-12 championship game. Do they deserve to be in the college football playoff? 
you know, uh, it's, I think it's very possible. You know, it's not, I don't think it's realistic, but it's very possible because they're, right now they're seven and eight, and I assume they're going to be that when the thing rankings come out this week, you know. Uh, and so, I mean, the college football rankings. And all these teams, a lot of them play each other. Alabama plays LSU. Those teams, people think, are both going to get in. But, you know, if one of them loses by 50, maybe they, they won't get in, you know. Right. And then the winner of it has to play in the championship game. And then if they lose that, then, then you got more SEC teams losing. And Ohio, you know, in the Big 12 or Big 10, Ohio State and Penn State are undefeated. But they have to play each other. And then Ohio State has to play Michigan, who's doing very well lately. Right. So if if there's a couple losses come in there, and those are later losses. Right. There's some things that can fall into place. Yeah, and Clemson's so. probably not going to lose, although they have they still have to play. Uh, they have one more tough game, I believe. They have to play Wake Forest, right? So, right. And then what, uh, Bronco might get them in the uh, well, ACC championship game. But. Doubt that, but you never know. <laughs> no. So Clemson, <laughs> Clemson looks pretty side. good, and you got those two SEC teams and the two uh, teams from the the Big Ten. Right. And so, you know, and then the Big 12 is kind of, you know, a little bit out of it because Oklahoma lost and Baylor's undefeated, but they haven't, you know, they haven't played that great of a schedule and they're behind right. Utah and Oregon. Well, what do, you, what do you think, Mike, if you took the Oklahoma loss to Kansas State and compare it to Utah's loss to USC, who's in worse shape? I think that they're pretty comparable because Kansas State's not great and neither is USC. Right. But then you can say, well, Utah's came in the middle of September. Kansas State, that one was last right. week, wasn't it? So if you go by timing, I, I think Oklahoma's going to stay behind Utah just because of the way it is now. And if Utah keeps winning, they'll stay ahead of them. Well, let me throw three, three things at you and just see what your opinion is, Mike. I'm going to start with uh, BYU, Northern Illinois, Idaho State. Is that week non-conference schedule going to come into play and ultimately cost Utah a chance to be in the college football playoff? You know, it's it's possible. I mean, and Northern Illinois not being strong doesn't help yeah, either. Northern Illinois has been terrible. What are they right. two two and six? Yeah, we saw the record three and five. Yeah. And Idaho State's awful. BYU, you know, give them credit. If they they could be seven and four in a couple of weeks, you know, they should win their next three games. Right. And they've looked really good the last two weeks, beating you know a ranked team. So that helps a little bit. Helps Utah. But uh, it seems to me at this point, Utah's number eight. They just have to if they if there's a few losses ahead of them. I don't think I think they could slip in there at five or four, but it's a lot of stuff has to happen for that to happen. I mean, so. Do you think they need to come up with a formula that I mean, Utah needs to play a, a Power 5 team in the preseason? Oh, definitely. I, you know, I, <laughs> it's one of my pet peeves about Utah scheduling. They should play Utah State every year, too, you know. Right. Should play Utah State, BYU, and a, and a good team. You know, I know they have. To, everybody has an easy team, right. but just say, uh, you know, even if they played BYU and Utah State, an easy team. They're paying I mean, some bills in the Big Sky Conference. Yeah, no kidding. Year, but, but you now, know, it'd be nice if they could play one good team and BYU or Utah State, and then I guess one gimme. You know. Well, uh, you know, I know schedules are done years in advance. We know that, but. Let's just say Utah goes to the Rose Bowl this year, gets on the national stage and that. And this becomes an issue that, you know, let's say they finish fifth in the college football playoff rankings right. or something. And there's a debate about, boy, play a tougher non-conference. Do you think that would lead to some change and maybe they wouldn't play uh, Wyoming. a one-double-A team? The <laughs> thing is, that's the problem with yeah, these schedules. Booked. Yeah, years ahead. But, I mean, do you think that they would ultimately – it seems like the game they like to sacrifice every year to play somebody big is BYU. You know, and I think they should play them every year, too. I agree. So. But they, they always seem – you know, when Michigan came around, let's put BYU on hold. And it'd be nice if they played both. And I just wonder if this might spark a conversation if Utah finishes, say, fifth, that maybe they got to toughen up that non-conference schedule and, and not play – an Idaho State anymore. Another thing they could do is um, if the Pac-12 would, if if the big conferences like the SEC 
SEC refused to go to nine games, maybe the Pac-12 has to say, we're going to go to eight games like you guys who play you know four non-conference and two patsies every year. And so that that's, hurts the Pac-12 every year because the SEC right. plays one less league game. So they've got to maybe, the NCAA, someone has to fix that so there's a, more of an equity amongst right. the conferences because it's not fair to play an extra league game you know, compared to another conference. Oh, and then they always get two teams in the playoff, it seems Yeah, like. it does. So it's an advantage to them. Good point. All right. Hey, Mike, you, know, you just came from basketball practice. Let's talk basketball. It uh, tips off this week, and, and you get to visit the biggest little city in the world. Lovely Reno. Yeah, I'm sorry you can't go there. I know you're looking forward I'm to that. Bummed, yeah. But <laughs> Reno. But uh, no, they. Uh, this is the first time Utah's – do you know how long it's been since they started on the road? Do you, any gonna, ideas? I'm going to say a long time. Yeah, like 24 years, like wow. 1995. Well, that that long ago. Okay. I was actually there in Kansas City. They played Kansas in a one of these special games. Oh, you wow. Know? Kemper Arena? Yeah, I think it was. It was downtown, yeah. wherever that is. So, um, yeah, it's been a long time. They're usually just, they play these uh, Azusa Pacifics all the time and Southwest Baptist <laughs> State. And, you know, who's Larry played? He's played some winners, too. Evergreen State, you know. But San Diego Christian. Uh, yeah. yeah, there's been some good ones. So, they, uh, yeah, this year, they played in Nevada last year when they were good. And they, they beat Utah pretty handily here in Salt Lake when they had a, they were a top 10 team. Right. This year they are not so great. They've they've lost most of their players, but they got it's interesting because they got Steve Alford who has played a lot of games against Utah. He's their head coach now, and he's only got one or two starters back. So, but anyway, going back to Utah, they're they're gonna have a very they have the youngest perhaps the youngest team in the whole country. There's only three teams that have more underclass or more new people than Utah. Utah has. 12 new players, and three teams have more. But Utah's the most freshman and the most true freshman of any team in the country. Right. So that's very young. And that's going to uh, – they're talented, but it's going to take a while for them to probably to gel and get better. You know, and I, I've been to a practice or two. And the thing that I noticed, they seem physically to be a bigger team than they've been the last couple of years. You know, they, They're really tall. They're not they big. They're tall. Size. Yeah, they're tall. <laughs> they're like, like the coach said, we got a lot of 200-pound – you know, 205-pound guys on our team. The ski team. team, right? Yeah, the skinny guys, like seven foot four. Matt Van Komen, he's a freshman from Pleasant Grove. And, right. and then you got Brandon Carlson, a seven-footer from Bingham. He's, you know, he's seven foot. And you got a couple of 6'10 guys. So, yeah, they're really tall. And that, uh, and Larry's tall. Yeah, I guess he likes tall guys. But they've got a lot of young guys. they got a lot of local guys. They have, like, six guys from Utah, which is that's got to be a record for the last few years. Eight times we only have a couple, you know. Right. And uh, and they got this um, Jackson Brenchley, who's a return from a church mission, as did Carlson and Matt Van Komen. And so and the coach's son is playing on the team. He's a he's a walk on freshman, Luke Kristoviak. And they got the three guys back from last year who will be the heart of the team. You know, do you remember their names? Uh, Timmy Allen, Booth Gods and Riley Batten. You got them. Yep. yep so that be a... that'll be their three veterans on the team, three sophomores. Do you think Timmy Allen's the type of guy that can take control? Is he going to be a 20 and 10 guy? You know, Timmy, I don't know if he's he, – now, he's one guy who's – he's lost 25 pounds since right, last year. So he's not he's be skinny. Down in the he post. wants to play guard. I think he's looking towards his future being a – if he's going to play in the next level NBA, he'd be a guard. And he's six, what, six six. Right. So, so he's, he's kind of – He's undersized guy in the paint last He looks kind of skinny, but um, he's got to learn how to sh- shoot. He's got a really kind of funny-looking shot, and he's got to kind of learn to become a shooter. Maybe he won't be a 20-point guy, maybe more I, like 15, You know, if he 16. is, it'd, he'd be getting like – he got 12 foul shots the other night in that exhibition game. And he's not going to get it from outside shooting. And if he's not playing as much forward, I wonder. I think he's more, more like a 15 and 7 guy because he's not going to get as many boards with all these big guys, you know. Right. 
he's going to be play, playing more wing and stuff. So, but he's going to probably be their leading scorer this year, and he's probably their team leader, you know, along with Riley Batten. Now, let's have, just quickly on some of these new guys. Let's just talk about the point guard position because there's a kid from Olympus that everyone's heard of. Is, is he going to see a lot of action in? He's going to start. Yeah, Ryland Jones. He's a two-time uh, Deseret News Mister Basketball. So, yeah, I just talked to him about half hour ago, and you know, he said he's feels comfortable being the starter, and he said the team's going to be good, and you know that they got talent, and he's and his main attribute is being a playmaker. You know, right. he's a decent shooter, but his main thing is, is he sees the floor well, he can direct the offense, and so you know he's kind of like a you know people who remember Jeff Jonas type, you know, right. from way back, and and even Tommy Connor, who's assistant now, guys, kind of a uh, just a really natural point guard. So Ryland Jones will be uh, he's right now expected to start, and you know. It might take him a while to get warmed up, but before long, he could be a pretty dang good player. So, I mean, you think he's one of those rare guys that's going to come along and make an impact maybe for four years then? Yeah, I think so. I mean, there's not many. Utah's never had guys that have really started as a true freshman, especially a right. point guard. You know, that's kind of a rarity. Right. So he'll just kind of be thrown into the fire and see how he does. And I, I haven't seen him play a lot, to tell you the truth. Never saw a lot of high school Olympus games like like our boss Kent Condon did, but yes, uh, he's the season ticket holder. I yeah. believe. So anyway, <laughs> um, but no, he looks. You know, he's only six foot tall. So I mean, he's not the biggest guy in the world. But in yeah. college, college basketball, that's fine. Well, I haven't seen him play, but you know, his, his father Chris Jones, you know, director of basketball ops, is a very proud papa, and would always remind me, uh, "You've seen my kid? He's, you know, he's pretty good, and, and obviously he is." Yeah. Uh, so I, I had to remind uh, uh, Ryland today that I I covered his father to sh- show how old I am back in the day in the nineties. A lot better than his old man. In the was. 90s. I should have told him that. Yeah, he probably knows that already. <laughs> yeah. That, well, it's interesting. You know, Pac-12 media day. I caught up with Nico Mannion, you know, Pace Mannion's son, and he's going to be a freshman. Uh, Point guard, I guess, for Arizona. So a little higher a, level than than Utah's, but still, he's yeah. that'd be a fun matchup yeah. though to see how the two freshmen go do against each and other. He's like about six inches taller, though, right? You know, Nico isn't as tall as I thought oh, he was. I thought he was six five. He's not. Yeah, no, huh? well, you know, they probably say he is. Yeah. But. His dad if he's was, that, guess, then so. I'm seven foot. No, I'm kidding. He's yeah. not that big. But he's a, he's going to be an impact player. And, you know, they got him projected as a lottery pick in the next NBA draft, Mannion. So we'll see how uh, Ryland matches up. But that'll be a fun game. And I guess they only meet once this year, right, in Tucson. Is that yeah, they don't, they don't get to come up here. So, yeah. That'll be good. Mike, uh, you're going to Nevada this week. How do you see the Utes opener? You know, I think uh, we, we shouldn't expect them to win, but since Nevada's kind of down, Nevada was picked, though, for fourth in the Mountain West, so they're a decent team. Utah's picked for eighth in the Pac-12, which is a little better conference. So I could see them maybe sneaking out with a win, Utah, but I would think that Nevada's going to probably win that game. But, you know, it's it's one thing I was going to say, Utah has a pretty dang good schedule this year, and so it's going to be, if they can come out of that over 500, it's going to be a really a, a big accomplishment because they have to play Kentucky, have to play Minnesota, San Diego State, BYU, Weber State. State. They got some tough teams, and they got a, a tough tournament where they might only win one or two games down there in South Carolina. So it's I wondered why Larry has such a tough schedule. Usually with a young team, he kind of has a lot of patsies, but he's um, got a oh, tough schedule. I think schedule. there were some curveballs that made the team younger, don't you think? Yeah, that's part of it. But uh, uh, anyway, so yeah, I think they have a chance, but they I'll, I'll say this. They are going to win their home opener against uh, our, our annual favorite Mississippi Valley State, who is coming for the third straight year. The Devils. And uh, they're usually ranked about 350. So, yeah, I think that'll be a win later. So they should come out of the week at least with a one-on-one record. Mike, that just begs of something now. If the Utes were to lose to Mississippi Valley State, what are you willing to do for it, would you? I don't, all I'm saying is building, if that happens, uh, it could be an 0-27 year because it's— <laughs> 
<laughs> Could get ugly. Yeah. All right. Hey, Mike, appreciate it. Just a reminder, the youth uh, football team getting a lot of accolades this week. Uh, however, they also have a bye. They won't be in action again uh, till next week. Uh, so youth fans can sit in front of their TV and watch some football this week. Uh, before we close, I want to thank Mr. Mack again for being our sponsor. I want to thank Richie and Kent for their support and uh, producing uh, this fine program. And just a reminder, get your friends to do this. We would love it if the Deseret News Youth Insiders podcast had more listeners than the Deseret News BYU Insiders podcast. So let's make that happen, folks. If it happens, uh, Mike and I will uh, we'll sing Utah Man on this podcast if we get ahead of these guys. If that doesn't a good enough incentive, I don't know what will do it, folks, because we'll do that. Hey, just a reminder again, listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, wherever you can get us, and we will talk to you later.